0: I was born ready, Dylan. Hello and welcome to the Sideline Cup Podcast, which uh, happens to be episode 10. Uh, a major milestone here for us. Uh, yeah, it's getting emotional. Fierce, yeah. Uh, do you want to look back at the the last 10, Joe?
1: Pick a highlight. Oh, it's hard to narrow it down to just one, Dylan, you know. It's, uh, it's tricky. There's just been so many great times looking back over the last two and a half months. Um, I'd say probably my winning streak and bamboozled over James... A personal highlight for me, no oh, yeah. bias or anything, but uh,
0: if James was here he'd say the question suited you favourably, I'd say
1: Ah uh, I'm sure the one time he won it wasn't he doing research <laughs> the whole time.
0: That's that that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. About yourself. Uh highlight for me I suppose was back in January being able to talk about uh, the Bursley success.
1: Yeah, I figured that would have been a big one for you and pretty much uh, any time you've got to mention Brendan Maher.
0: Yeah. Which well has been frequently. Yeah, and even since the the club championship was finished, I've managed to mention that a few times since. So. I just squeeze him in once or twice, and here we are again in episode ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez, he's doing well for himself.
0: Uh, so uh, regular listeners of the podcast will notice that uh, James's voice has not been present. Uh, he's abroad in, I believe, Miami currently. Yeah, somewhere across the pond, anyway. Yeah, I believe it's Miami. I am up uh, a flight to Washington soon. So it's as well for some. Uh, it's
1: a fine, life. We'll stay here and keep the podcast going, James. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, you don't worry about that, James. But uh, yeah, we have a few uh, pre-recorded segments uh, that we done with James before he took off. So we're going to look at VAR, and we're going to talk about uh, ethics in sport. Yeah, uh, that's a
1: fairly good debate. Actually, probably definitely worth listening on as far as that one. It gets a little bit heated. Yeah. Actually,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. That was a good one. That actually it was a good one. And then uh, the mystery topic then is actually one that James picked for us, so he's going to uh, educate us on a topic that's well worth to listen to, and as well as that, we have Bamboozled, where I tested uh, James and Joe on a particular topic, and I'm sure you'll find out the winner towards the end of this, uh, this lovely podcast, but we'll um,
1: sure We, we
0: kick things off, Joe.
1: Um, yeah, kind of quick roundup of what happened in the last week. Um, football-wise, main ones: Liverpool lost their long unbeaten run, three 0 away to Watford, really comprehensively beaten. To be honest, uh, Watford very impressive. Liverpool off the boil, then went on to get knocked out of the FA Cup by Chelsea, another loss. So, um, you missing Jordan, are you? I think so. Yeah, Henderson seems to be the the common denominator seems to be the one a lot of people
0: are saying yeah anyway, so.
1: well, he's the big miss and like as soon as he went the performances went down I think the mid-season break didn't help but yeah Bournemouth the weekend now should be a good game to have at Anfield they haven't been playing at Anfield for a while train yeah exactly Bournemouth normally come out and try and play football as well so might be a bit expensive um, other than that Man City won the League Cup third time in a row kind of despite Liverpool running away with the league this year they're cementing their Status as like the dominant English side of the last four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phil Foden was outstanding in the final. Yeah? Yeah, very good. Very, very good. Looking like he... I suppose he has to try and make a case for Man City not replacing David Silva. And Let's that's see. what he's doing a pretty good job of it, in fairness to him. He looks like a good footballer.
0: Um, Are you worried, Joel, about Liverpool's... Uh
1: Um, no I don't think so I think every team goes through a bad patch in the season I think Uh, I think Bournemouth is a good game to have now like I said Uh, Atletico Madrid then is the big one on Wednesday night it's a big one Joel yeah it is big if you can get through that I mean suddenly there's a big momentum swing if you beat Bournemouth at the weekend suddenly the league is only three wins away yeah sure and you're in the last eight of the Champions League but on the other side if you get knocked out of the Champions League and say you draw with Bournemouth, must like you kind of nothing to play for for the rest of the season in mm. a way like the league is wrapped up as much as there's still points to gain they will accumulate if they draw all their games you know to the end of the season they'll win the league.
0: Mm. I see the question online is um would would winning just the premier league this year be a failure for liverpool.
1: I don't think it can be given like the previous years and how close we've come before and it's just been the monkey on the back of liverpool oh, completely, for completely yeah my entire life like it's always been like even when you were arguing with like other like Man United or Arsenal fans and you were younger they were like oh you never won the Premier League I think to finally have that one done it's disappointing to not have the chance of doing the treble that would have been a huge one and if we get knocked out of the Champions League that will be very disappointing as well but I don't think winning the Premier League can be considered a failed season for Liverpool
0: yeah it's interesting like the people that are saying it's probably the likes of United Arsenal, Chelsea Chelsea fans, they'd only yeah. they really love a league yeah, al- title at the exactly. end of the season. Exactly, you're,
1: like, you're always going to have that with rival fans trying to put down with the achievements of the other teams. So that's that's fairly normal. It's like Liverpool fans are doing it the other way around with the points totals and stuff. Like Liverpool have more points, I think, now than United had when they won the treble. But obviously, had Liverpool been going for the treble, they probably would have lo- lost more league points anyway mm. just by focusing on European games and FA Cup games. But now they'll probably have their eye on breaking the points total record and hopefully win the Champions League.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's just that kind of time of year. There's not a whole lot going on. Only comparisons.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and when when we're knocked out of the cup competitions, it's only the league to focus on.
0: And the unbeaten streak beaten as well. Yeah, that was a big one. I think.
1: Sar might uh, get a cheeky offer from Arsenal summer there just for his achievements there alone
0: I uh, I see a rumour online he's going to be uh, inducted to the Arsenal uh, Hall of Fame
1: <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly yeah a lot of Arsenal fans very very pleased with him right now kind of well, I wouldn't say save their blushes but save their record really
0: yeah uh, no it's an interesting times uh, Champions League during the week should be that should be a good game Liverpool yeah a huge
1: one at let Go going to come to Anfield probably Pretty much set up shop, try and play for a nil nil down the counter attack. Pressures on Liverpool. Need to go and beat Atletico Madrid, and they're a tough, tough team to beat. Mm. Still see Liverpool scoring. I think the atmosphere because what Liverpool have lose or have struggled with in the last couple of weeks, their intensity. So I think playing in that an- Anfield atmosphere they can't they
0: looked look very sluggish uh, yeah it was, of
1: it was the same against Watford and even the two league games before that they scrolled through against West Ham and Norwich wasn't really it wasn't promising but if you can't get up for an Anfield atmosphere in European night then you may as well call a halt to it like. call a halt to, wait.
0: Uh, yeah sure we call a halt to the soccer talk there Now always so we we'll move on to uh, that's fair uh, that's fair uh, uh, well, we'll we'll discuss it again in our take five in a moment. But uh, on to hurling and uh, Tippy Watford uh, last weekend uh, in an interesting affair where we had three players sent off in the first half, two for Watford and one for Tip. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. And I think the the topic at the moment is uh are we seeing too many cards being dished out within hurling? I think there was a few few more sending offs throughout the weekend. And
2: what
1: were they sent off for?
0: Um, a lot of it was striking. Okay. Um. In, Colbert struck struck off the ball. He got he got
1: um, okay. he got hit himself, and then he he lashed out, and that that's why he he's seen red. And do you reckon it's something they're trying to just stamp out of the game, and they're happy to take a flurry of red cards for a while and leave it settle itself down, because players will know, right? If I do this and get sent off, I just can't do it.
0: Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. uh Austin Gleeson was sent off for two yellows. the f- The first one I didn't even think was a yellow, and the second yellow was a definite red. Okay, that's fair. So enough. it kind of cancelled out. <laughs> it kind of cancelled each other out for finish. But um, yeah, it was an in- interesting game. Tip weren't at the race at all, in my opinion. Um, I thought Watford were the better team. I I assumed there was a, f- a lot of neutrals were hoping Watford would uh, get over the line there, but they didn't. Uh, So that kind of brings us to this weekend, where we have a top-of-the-table clash. uh, Watford take on Limerick here in the Gaelic Grounds. So that should be a good game as well. Uh, See how they they match up against each other.
1: Most definitely, and I believe that is part of our Take 5 for the week, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. Uh, Along with Galway and Tip above in Salt Hill. and The final game of our Take 5 is Six Nations Clash. uh, England and Wales.
1: Yeah, England and Wales, uh, obviously Ireland not playing this week uh, due to play Italy, but has been postponed for obvious health concerns. Yeah, um, Yeah, England-Wales should be a good game. I expect, I kind of expect England to win. I just think they're, they looked so good the last couple of games. Mm. I just can't really see Wales yeah, turning I think, them over.
0: Yeah, I think Wales would have to match them um, physically.
1: Uh, Ireland failed to do so that's it they're just such a physically dominant team mm. it's just it's imposing
0: oh absolutely yeah and I don't know, it's it's, um, it's hard to imagine them getting up to that that level of intensity that England just seemed to be able to produce at the moment
1: yeah England just seemed to kind of dominate the breakdown just consistently like I said it's just imposing is the word I'd use just a intense powerful mm constantly at it so I think I think they'll just have a little bit too much for Wales
0: yeah and the other game then is Scotland are at home to France which we can only see going one way
1: yeah although it depends on the weather can't imagine the, uh, the French will enjoy an evening up in Murrayfield no in probably swirling wind and hail and get them out of their comfort zone and see how they fare with that I mean we saw how England got on up there 3-3 three, three with 10 minutes to go could be a similar mm-hmm. affair
0: uh, yeah, that'll be an inter- interesting one to keep an, old, an old eye on. Uh, so, take five predictions, Joe. Uh, do you have Jameses? Um, I have them here. Just give me one second. Uh, yeah, so uh, the first game in our take five is uh, Man United and Man City, Manchester Derby.
1: Yeah, uh, should be interesting. Uh, as a Liverpool fan, it's probably a bit of a win-win, which is what we need right about now. It's always nice to see United lose, but if City lose, it gets us one step closer to the title. So, mm. I've gone for a City win. What have you gone for? Uh, as a United fan, I have gone for a United win. That's run. understandable, and James has done the unspeakable as a Liverpool fan, looking at his prediction here, and he is back to Man United win. Maybe he's just James, if you're listening, you know exactly what I would say to you, but I can't say it over, over this. He's he's
0: Maybe he's just eyeing up those uh, three, three drop, dropped points for uh, City.
1: Can't back a United win. That is (laughs)
0: sacrilege, James. Uh, We'll move on uh, to the second game, um, which we have decided it's going to be Galway versus Tip in the Hurling. And I've obviously gone for Tip in that.
1: Yeah, James has unsurprisingly agreed with you and back Tip. Uh, I've gone for a Galway win, partially because Tip were, I would say, underperforming last week against Waterford. And also, just so we're not all going for the same prediction a little bit as well.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, third game, then we'll see. Uh, Limerick take on Watford, as we said, that was a top-to-table clash. And I've gone for Limerick.
1: Just feel they're hurling well at the moment. Yeah, James has gone for Limerick as well. Um, I've also gone for Limerick, but on because Watford let me down last week against Tip. That was a five out of five.
0: Again, that's a fairly fair, Joe. Yeah, and <laughs> sure, we're all based here in Limerick as well, so we kind of have to. Um, yeah, we might get hate crime show some sort of loyalty Mm -hmm. not not that we'd have any loyalty towards any any of the three of us Um, our fourth game then is uh, England versus Wales in the Six Nations
1: Uh, James has gone for Wales gone for a Wales win Uh, I've gone for an England win for the reasons I kind of went through a minute ago
0: yeah, and I'd be the same. I've gone for England, so
1: I just think they're too physically dominant. Uh,
0: whatever James has decided there, uh, he he gave no explanation for any of his uh, his choices. So no,
1: none. So we'll just we could speculate, but probably not so speculate.
0: He just wanted to be wrong on this one.
1: I would say so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he didn't want to win that beanie. And um, our final game, uh, we've decided to go for Liverpool and Atletico Madrid in the Champions League next week.
1: Yeah, it's no real surprise, I've gone for a Liverpool win here, uh, Klopp has never lost a European knockout tie with Liverpool so far, touch wood, um, so, I don't know what more you could want really, the only issue is if Atletico right in away goal, Liverpool need three, nice. James, James, James has also gone for Liverpool and the only explanation he's given is, obviously, so. I think, oh, that, I think that says enough. To be honest, I'm I'm with James on that one.
0: Uh, two Liverpool men going for Liverpool, no surprises there. And uh, just to be different, uh, I'm going to back Atletico uh, Madrid. Uh, to be honest, I see probably most most likely to be a draw in my eyes. I, I feel like you're just you're just saying there, Joe. Atletico uh, Madrid are going to shut up shop.
1: Yeah, and they know how to do that better than mm. nearly anyone in the world. And Liverpool aren't playing so well, so it wouldn't surprise me. Atletico would bite your arm up for in mm. a little draw right now. So.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, kind of regret my decision. Well, anyways, hey, it's a rotten paper to set in stone. And that's take five for the week. It is indeed. Um, if you want to get in touch and tell us what your picks for the week are, you can find us across all kinds of social medias. Uh, we're on the Twitter at sideline underscore cut. And we're on Instagram at and that's the same handle uh, at the sideline underscore cut and you can also find us on the Facebook at sideline cut and if you want to email us which uh, I believe no one has done yet <laughs> <laughs> so you have a chance to be the first to email us first to email us after uh, 10 episodes uh, you can get us at uh, uh, sport at the sideline cut yeah
1: so hit us up you've so many options there's no reason not to do it
0: uh, yeah so yeah so we're gonna get into the pre-records now uh i believe that's that's everything yeah uh so we're gonna play some pre-records uh there's some good topics here good discussion um on var and ethics in sport
1: yeah i think particularly the ethics in sport one
0: yeah joe had a few
1: uh we say unpopular opinions but i stand by them
0: yeah they were interesting interesting thoughts uh, again, if you agree or disagree or want to contribute to the conversation that we that we had, uh, reach out across our social media sites. And then we'll have James's mystery topic, because poor James hasn't been heard on this podcast yet.
1: No, not yet. You'll hear plenty of him now in the pre-records, do no Oh yeah,
0: don't worry, he's there. And then Bamboozled, uh, where Joe and James fight it out to see who has the best best sporting knowledge
1: yeah and I think that's a pre-record as well but
0: I can't remember if I won or not Uh, neither can I (laughs) and and, and I've mistaken the the scores
1: (laughs) so we may need to listen on ourselves to find out who won
0: Uh, yeah but uh, yeah hopefully uh, you'll enjoy those uh, those two segments that are yet to come so enjoy and we'll see you
3: in the next one
1: we'll see you then take care
3: sound so, VAR. Yes, VAR has caused... Let's, let's solve the VAR Sorry to cut across you. Let's solve the VAR it. issue.
1: Um, yeah, I think easier said than done, but then I went taking notes on it, and it actually seems fairly straightforward, but I'm definitely going to have missed a lot of things. So, I have a, a slight amendment proposal.
3: You have a to, proposal? Yeah. We want to talk about what's, what's wrong with VAR first.
1: Well, yeah, that would be the first step in solving a problem is right. identifying it. So. So, hit me. I think the offside one has been major talking point. These millimetre offside decisions that we've seen a plethora of in the Premier League so far. Um, I think there was one recently with Wolves against was it Leicester? Yes. And I can't remember who it was. Had just taken a corner and was receiving the ball back on the sideline, and I think his heel was offside. Crossed the ball into the box. It was a goal. It was disallowed. Yeah. Like it seems unduly harsh. I don't think you can say that they benefited from being in an offside position and it was millimetres.
3: But is, is that in keeping with the current offside rule? That like The offside rule that, that any part of any body is in front of the other part or is there such a way in that it has to be your torso or like your leg or your arm or, or what way should it work in your Well, world?
1: it's supposed to be any part of the body you can score with. If that is ahead. But then we've seen that, that the one that springs to mind for me was a Liverpool one with Firmino at Aston Villa. And it was deemed that his armpit was offside. There's been a few more. That's just one that springs to mind. Because his, like, his shoulder area was just offside. Like, there's obviously... Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of a judgment call there. And I think a lot of people are unhappy with calls that close overruling goals. Not... Even so much with that Firmino one where it's across into the box and Firmino's getting on the end of it, mm. it's the ones like the Wolves one where it's not really affecting the game, yeah. but they're, having, they're going back 10 20 seconds to something that seems irrelevant to rule out a goal over something that's only millimetres offside.
0: Yeah, I think for me, there uh, a change to a uh, naked eye policy where if it's only obvious to the naked eye given
1: yeah that would like the original plan for VAR was that it would be in to eradicate clear and obvious errors but if, like you're taking,
3: if you're taking the offside route into consideration like clear and obvious in that split second where the linesman has to make that judgment call like there's no such thing as clear and obvious
1: yeah I think that's the issue with offside I think
0: but like the naked eye policy is like VAR has like I don't know the blue lanes and red lanes and they're overlapping each other and you're you're sitting there at home thinking Jesus is it the offside or is it the onside.
1: Yeah, and as well as that, that's assuming that they're because they're not really showing with VAR when they stop and you get that still image, is that exactly when the ball is being struck?
0: I know. Like, because like,
1: when the margins are that small, that a quarter of a second in the difference on that still, yep. can cause the player to be back onside or. And you're also relying on those lines being perfectly straight.
0: There was some of that, wasn't there, in the Champions League?
1: Champions League? There was some issue with yeah, where someone accused them of not putting in fully straight lines. (laughs) And no, but there
0: was another thing that was two.
3: Surely the lines are straight. Surely that's a problem.
1: Stills
0: were shown as well. Yeah. Which is and they contradicted each other.
1: Right. So I I think allow a certain margin of error where you just go with the on-field decision. Because I know the linesmen are encouraged to keep their flag down to allow play to continue. But afterwards, like if there's a VAR check and it comes up, say, inconclusive, if it's within 10, 15 centimetres either way, allow a certain margin of error. Go to the linesman and say, right, did you think he was offside? Well, and the then it's just the on-field decision.
3: The offside rule for me is one the VAR should have nothing to do with. I think leave that in the hands of the linesman. Like, they're fair good at their job. Like, they, they make a very, very good... Like, what is it? Probably... Somewhere between 80 and 90%?
1: Probably, but the issue then is, and I remember Chelsea playing United at Old Trafford, and Chelsea went on to win the title, but this was, I think, early April, so this was a key point in the title race, and Chelsea won 2 1. Drogba scored the winning goal, and he was a solid yard offside. So you can get 80 to 90% right, but when you're getting those ones wrong, it's huge. But a
3: solid yard is fine. Like, there well, needs then to if be. You can't take me
1: or away from offside. And
3: well, okay, so if you want to do it, make it that there's some degree of separation. If the bodies overlap in any way, then give the striker the benefit of that.
1: Perhaps. Something you can, like at
3: least you'll get more goals. You would. You'll get more offsides as well, though, because they'll be chancing to get that little bit further. Yeah,
1: I think that's right. But yeah, there needs to be some margin of error with you it. know, yeah. I think they're trying to be too pedantic and millimetre specific with offsides
0: yeah because I don't think they're really like, like human error is always going to exist with fire yeah so I think there has to be some sort of a leeway there
3: yeah um, I read a stat that it's like it's up to 91% or something accuracy as opposed to 82% the first time on all decisions yeah. across the board across the board so it's getting better it probably um, is what do we think about you know very rarely if any have I seen the referees in the Premier League check the screen that's by the side of the pitch? Whereas in Europe, you see them checking quite a bit.
2: I think it's
1: very important. I'd like to see the referees check the monitor more. Hmm? Because we've all seen certain... We even discussed it with, uh, in relation to GAA, different referees have different styles. Hmm. And I think if if I'm refereeing a game and I see a tackle go in and I'm like, right, I think that's a foul. And say there's uproar, whether it's a penalty or whatever... And I decide to go over and check the monitor. I know why I think it's a foul. Say I think, all right, he hasn't got the ball first there. If I see a different angle and it shows me, oh, he has got the ball first. Grand, I was wrong. I can change the decision. I know what I'm looking for because I know why I've made the call. Whereas when you have someone sitting in Stockley Park making the call, it's a referee with a different style and a different outlook on these things.
3: Yeah, I, I I do think that it probably in football makes more sense for the referee like a TMO in rugby works because the rules are the rules yeah it's you know, much more And it's straightforward. either, it's either a foul player it's not it's mm. either a penalty or it's, not. it's either a knock on or it's not it's either a try or it's not whereas in football you know like you said it's the reasoning behind it and the build up to it and that so maybe the referees need to take that into their hands a little bit more and Go and check the screens and then decide for themselves instead of leaving it up to someone in Stockley Park to make that decision for them. Yeah,
1: I'd like to see them use the screens more mm. because I think the fact that someone is like, if you're a player and there's a foul given and say a decision is overturned and the referee is like, oh, VAR made the call, mm. you're kind of you've got no one to turn to to say why because they're not going to give a full explanation that a referee would have to give to a player. So, the referee is kind of like, I'm in the same boat as you, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: I think what I like about the rugby is you often see at the Six Nations, especially in the Aviva, is they look up at the big screen. Yeah. The, the refs are seeing the. the they're the discussing replay. it with the TMO. Yeah.
3: As opposed to when the Stockley Park decisions are being made, they're being made completely separate of the referee. Yeah. yeah. They have no input into them at all. Maybe that's something to and change. all
0: you get then is a. Premier League logo with VAR saying there's no penalty or no yeah checking or whatever. and
3: yeah. then you get the results it would yeah, be nice to see the to replay
1: see in the yeah replay. it's great for us at home if we're watching a game on TV you do see the replay mm. but even still I would like to see them use the monitors on the side more then they can discuss with the fourth official as well and they can go and explain to, or they explain to the captain or the managers right this is why I'm overturning the decision this is why I'm not mm. and I think everyone's just a little bit less in the dark
0: do we think there's uh, added pressure on the rest on with VAR
1: I think there is reason there isn't like in a sense there's not because if VAR or overturns a call they can kind of just put their hands up and say oh look VAR and they, they can kind of shift the blame off themselves if they make a mistake whereas previously it was the referee's final decision
3: do but you think some referees are using that to their advantage possibly so because they don't have to make the decision and if like they let a call go and VAR calls it back then you know it's like well VAR was there anyway
1: yeah, and the other side of it is it could be adding more pressure to some referees in the sense that every decision they make can be scrutinised. Yeah, And I'm sure we're going to have compiled stats at the end of the season from somewhere on what referees had the most decisions yeah. overturned. And that's going to look bad on referees because it's a clear indication of right they
3: got the most decisions wrong kind of thing. The, the, one, the one that it probably annoyed me at the start of the year and maybe a little bit less now but it's how long a VAR decision is taken to be made at times. Now, let me give you an example I watched Real Madrid and Real Betis two all end of the game injury time and there's long balls being played Real Madrid are trying to find a winner and there's a suspicion of handball 45 seconds to a minute later play is still going on but the VAR check is still going on Right. now the VAR check came back as if no handball no penalty but if that penalty had been given where do
1: you go with that See that's kind of the problem as well. If you're using, if you want the referees to use the on-pitch monitors, and I suppose this could be something that they factored into it, is the referees watching in Stockley Park can have a look back on a decision without interfering with the game. Yeah, the referee would have to stop the game, or else he'd have to wait for the ball to go to play,
3: yeah, and then go check.
1: And we've seen sometimes, especially with teams like Liverpool, City, even like Barcelona, who retain possession a lot, ball can stay in play for five or ten minutes. Are you going to drag play all the way back, give a penalty and add the time on at the end?
3: Like it seems,
1: it seems almost absurd.
3: Yeah. But there's still a possibility of it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to call. I suppose we, we spoke about this off air and it was like the the NFL model where, or the, the tennis player model where they get a challenge to a yeah. decision. Like can something like that be put into place in in football
1: yeah that's kind of what i have for my um proposal if you like yeah it's it's based on tennis or cricket where like the captain or the manager can appeal a decision so like whether the manager says it to the fourth official or the captain can say it to the referee mm. say look oh can we review that i think that was a handball and they can hold up the play ref can have a look at it shouldn't take more than a minute minute and a mm. half
3: max so would you, if, would, would you limit the challenges
1: oh yeah otherwise they challenge everything so say they get three a game or give them two a half something like that and if they get their challenge wrong they lose it and if your challenge is right you get you don't lose the challenge same as tennis or cricket and if if it's inconclusive even at the replays you go with the on-field
3: decision or how about maybe I think at a stage in the NFL if there was a challenge and you lost the challenge you lost a timeout
2: so, no, I, so if in
3: in soccer, if you lose a challenge, just in case you're just challenging everything, you lose a substitution, maybe.
1: Maybe Make a I, point I think it's
3: severe, so they're not challenging everything.
1: Yeah, I think you could do that, or you can just limit it to give them one and a half. I'd give them three.
3: Personally, three or else half. So they get they get four challenges in a game. Up to you, four. So it's like up to four. That's eight challenges. So you're like. Let's say a minute per challenge, 30 seconds to a minute. It's eight minutes extra you ran into the game in some instances.
1: Yeah, but how many minutes are being added because of VAR currently? You're probably looking at three or know, four at least.
3: Is, is there eight VAR decisions in a game?
1: Possibly. There's no limited amount of VAR decisions. No, in a game. but like This, this
3: limits it. Yeah, but how, how many have you seen given? What's the most amount of VAR challenges have been given in a game? Oh, that that VAR I've seen, changes, we we'll call
1: it. That I can remember it was probably the Man City West Ham game on the opening day. Um, I think City went on to win 5 0 or something. But they had, I think, two goals ruled out. And that was the first day, so VAR was very slow.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: But it would also stop them from appealing just any decision. They'll only do it if they think they're right.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I'd narrow it down anyway. Put it down as, as few as possible that you could get away with.
1: I'd love to see that the
0: challenges thing come into the, the hurling and the football. I don't think it'd slow the
3: game down what 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 would you challenge in hurling football?
0: Take last year's All Ireland semi-final. I'm sure Limerick would have loved the challenge in the that sideline that they thought went over it was deemed wide.
3: So are we are we challenging like that's what you are talking about the one that actually went over, or that they thought was wide and went over? Does uh, the umpire's decision? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, when you've got Hawkeye, which already does the scores and stuff like that. So, where would you draw the line with regards to challenges in the GAA? Like well, do you, you, do you challenge referees' decision on fouls?
1: I think you could challenge on just about anything. But if you're wrong, you lose your challenge. Yeah. If you're right, you will get to overrule them.
2: We know what the
3: GAA is like. We, like, we spoke about it previously. We, like, the amount of time that's been wasted through injuries that aren't really injuries while people are trying to waste time on these new Sinbiddings. Like
0: yeah, that was the GA's own fault, there was an oversight by them. They didn't think that to be laying on the ground Imagine road. the
3: kind of stuff they'd be challenging. With the greatest respect like I mean <laughs> I know that like, we you're we've, we've all we grew up playing it. I mean you challenge everything.
1: Yeah, but if you're right you're right. If you're wrong you lose it. It's simple so if you're if but you're only chancing your arm you want you won't appeal it.
3: But there has to be some sort of punishment to go with it. Like, especially if it's GA five substitutions, lose a substitution.
1: Maybe in GA where you have five, but you can't do that in soccer. You can't cut a team down to two substitutions. That'll be... That's when that the player welfare
3: becomes an issue then. I don't know. Then make sure they're, make sure they're mm-hmm. using their challenges correctly. That's right, it, otherwise you
0: lose you your challenges. Do you make soccer five substitutions and then you can lose?
1: No, I'd I think just, if you lose your challenges, that's all. That way VAR still has a place to eradicate
3: clear errors. And there's a discouragement of it being overused. In its current state, VAR, without the challenge system being brought in, which this is us just talking here randomly in a room, what can make it better? Or do you see it improving in any way and being used better? I think the pitch side monitor is a big
1: one and a certain margin of error with offside. I think both of them will go a long way because I think there's been some slight issues but I think not so much miscommunication but a referee allowing something to go on, thinking, right, if that's a foul, VAR will bring it back. Mm. And VAR looking at it and going, it's not a clear and obvious error. We're not going to over- overrule the referee on it. And it's kind of a case of the referee on the pitch and the referee in Stockley Park, kind of two of them stepping back and being like, I'll let the other one make that decision. I'm not going to overrule it. Yeah. And then no one makes a call.
3: It's It's a human error, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I but think the using the pitch side monitors is definitely thing
0: remember the last international tournament that was on I thought it looked very professional when you saw the ref going over and checking the monitor Mm. yeah I think it really helps it it, it definitely helps
3: but it's used in like uh, again NFL, NBA there's uh, pitch side reviews for any decision in the last two minutes that's considered by you know that needs to be reviewed so like stuff like that should be used when you have the technology there and it's there by the pitch, the referee shouldn't be leaving it up to someone else in a room far away. Like. So. Have we
0: got the technology that the ref has a watch
1: that he could check? Probably, but I'd say you probably need him to just go to the screen. It doesn't take that long to go to the screen no, either and the replays doesn't. are already in there. You can have the fourth official or even if they want to bring an extra official in just to manage the screen and have replays ready for when the ref comes over. Do, mean, you, do, you think,
3: do you think like rugby a mixture of VAR and the refs being mic'd up would be a huge advantage
1: Miking the refs could be a huge advantage I think like, we discussed this last week the level of
3: abuse that players give mm-hmm. referees in, in football well, in particular even when it be comes, difficult Even when it comes to Stockley Park and they're trying to make a decision when they've gone back to look at replays and they can hear what the ref is thinking or saying as he goes along might make the decision a lot more correct
1: yeah I think that it would definitely give it more transparency Mm -hmm. and for people watching the game and for the referee who can then talk to the players and stuff that kind of everyone knows at least why a decision has been made if you disagree with it fine like there's nothing you can do in football that's going to completely eradicate any debate no matter what changes are made to VAR there's going to be Uh, controversial decisions because a lot of it is judgement call I think you could watch what was the one Liverpool played United at Old Trafford. Um, In the build-up to United's goal, Origi's leg gets clipped. Now, letter of the law, it's a foul. Probably not enough to bring him down. I've watched the replay of it quite a few times, and you couldn't really disagree with either call. Hmm. Technically a foul, but in the middle pitch you get away with it. One of those ones.
3: Isn't that why we love sport, though? Well, yeah, that's the thing. you 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 don't want to rule out all... Controversy. well oh, you can't in football because then it's not sport anymore. It's the nature
1: of the
0: sport, <laughs> <that> you can't. <laughs> I say to that there, Joe, uh, was like, you're an attacker, so you're seeing it as a, as a goal score, an opportunity tonight, whereas I'm seeing it as a defender, and I'm thinking, oh, jeez, thank God, no, fi- no foul given away there. That's that.
1: it. And there's, like I said, there's there's no one correct decision, on just that's just one isolated foul. I'm sure there's hundreds of them going mm-hmm. in the Premier League, that I just can't recall.
3: Yeah, the, the the big one that stands out for me is the Liverpool City one. The handballs And whatever else That's it That Trent Alexander you know, so.
1: Arnold handball Where Because there was a deflection He was given extra leeway It definitely strikes the hand Like it can That can go either way No matter how many so. replays You watch
3: Yeah I, I guess this is an argument That's going to Continue and continue And continue
2: And
1: but Yeah I think it's also Worth remembering That it's the first season it's in the Premier League Yeah And they can't really change The procedure Until the summer So I think there was always Going to be some Teething issues
3: Yeah it's it's like anything You, you need to have it uniform across all the different leagues as well because there's no point in like certain rules are being used differently in Champions League than they are in England
1: yeah I think that's always been the way I mean there's always been that whole thing of you get away with less in Europe kind of thing that you would Mm. in England I think that's always going to be the way where I think teams have to adapt their style to play in Europe yeah Do uh, do you think it kills the atmosphere yeah I think some of the goal checks it does I don't know how to change that as such but I think you know sometimes you see a goal going and you're kind of like oh gonna be a VAR check on that and like normally you'd have that that moment of ecstasy do you know what
3: it's you can see that on television that it does but I've been at quite a few games this year especially in Anfield Yeah. and like it doesn't really affect it a huge amount it just kind of quietens the crowd for a little bit while they're waiting it's like it's like a nervous anxiety around it going oh what's going to happen now like and everyone's expecting the wrong decision to be made then as well yeah so.
1: but like I was watching the the Liverpool game against Norwich a man Mane's goal and it, there was a VAR check for a potential push hmm. and I watched because you could see his arm go out and I watched it in real time and saw the goal go in and I was like oh you know good and that's going to be VAR checked I'm going to wait yeah. two minutes yeah. then it was a goal and I was like oh the excitement's kind of gone now and that was a that was a 1-0 win and is, like every game is a big game for Liverpool now, and they're mm. trying to break records and stuff. So I was big, and that moment of that kind of you know that fist pump yeah. that you normally do if your team scores, it was kind of gone. It was yeah a little disappointing in a way. I turned off the telly.
3: <laughs> 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 no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And like I'm sure in the off season there'll be you know more decisions made and more changes made to try and make it better. We'll probably see a lot of it used around Euro 2020 and high profile yeah, games. Yeah, they'll so, probably
1: play around with it a little bit
3: of yeah I look forward to uh, arguing and fighting about it in the, in the future
0: sure. it'll be interesting to see it used in the Aviva because we've seen uh, the TMO used in the Aviva mm. so it'll be interesting to see VR used in the Aviva
3: yeah see which is diff- yeah, different yeah
0: like to compare and contrast the two
1: yeah, yeah that's true to have them both used in the one stadium would be an easy to to see the differences especially with the use of the screen there
3: yeah, can can the big screens like I know I know Anfield doesn't have one, but can the big screens be used instead of going to the side of the pitch so it, it's more transparent as we said? So like the the referee and the two linesmen coming together and they're looking on the screen, speaking to Stockley Park, and everyone can see what's going on. Is wow. that something that can happen in soccer? I, I, don't think know.
0: So. I think the reason it hasn't happened is because most a lot of stadiums don't have that big screen.
1: Yeah, there's not too many. Anfield is probably the biggest one that doesn't have a screen yeah well, but it doesn't screen doesn't it? no oh well if Liverpool United don't have screens and you kind of can't really make a rule yeah. around it but I think I'd still have them even if you display the replays on the screen I'd still have the referee going to a monitor rather than him looking at a screen that's 50 feet above his head don't know what works in rugby if he's trying to make a call I'd personally rather see him do it on a monitor which is close to him that he can go back 10 seconds on the replay or something
0: or if he you, wants how to how do you feel about someone running onto the field with an iPad and showing it given
3: Maybe a remote control no car things. altogether, send it yeah. on and take it back.
0: A drone, a drone
3: to come out. down. Yeah. <laughs> on that bombshell, we'll move on. So we're moving on to our next topic, and it's sporting ethics.
1: Yeah, there's kind of there's a decent variety of um, points to cover on this, from stuff like drugs, like steroids and narcotics, even to uh, gamesmanship and something we've all been a little bit guilty of, and diving, faking injury, those kind of minor things.
3: I suppose the ultimate question is, when it comes to ethics in sport, is what do you consider to be cheating and not cheating?
1: Yeah, I think that's a kind of gamesmanship area where you're looking at.
3: <laughs> I mean, let's get started. Like Every Irish person or Irish football fan on the planet calls Thierry Henry a cheater uh, for the handball. Uh, I don't. Yeah, but that's because you'd have tried to do it as well if you had the opportunity.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I think he he was even interviewed about that afterwards and he said, look. um, He was like, look, put my hand there. The ball hit it. I expected the referee to blow up. He didn't. What was I going to do? So
0: he touched the ball again.
1: (laughs) But sure, his hand was there. Like, I mean... I wouldn't hold it against him. That was a referee's mistake.
0: If an, uh, yeah, see, if an yeah. Irish person had done that, the Irish would say, he was very clever one, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah, yeah we're, we're a very fickle um, fan base. But that's
1: the thing, I guess. Some people would consider Henri a cheat for that, and I, I wouldn't personally. It's just so
3: wh- so where do we go? What do you consider to be cheating in sport?
1: I think the intent is kind of the driving factor, really. If you're deliberately doing something to kind of unfairly win, like...
3: where's where's the where's the line so let's call let's draw a line in the sand here right where's the line i mean pulling and dragging out of someone's jersey you know whispering sweet nothings into their ear whereas opposed to on the other side of the line way on the other side of the line is the you know the steroids issue you know you've got all these different things like what would you what would you say is is wrong where's where do you draw the line as to you know what, I can get away with this, I'm happy to get away with this, and I won't feel bad about myself at the end of the game if I've gotten away with this.
1: See, yeah, that's it. I think we're all, like, obviously steroid performance-enhancing drugs, Definitely wrong. Well, you're happy enough to take... No, well, that's what I'm saying. We're going to try and narrow the line in from either <laughs> side. So that's right. definitely wrong. So that's,
3: are we calling that one poll? That,
1: yeah, I think that's one poll, whereas stuff like trying to run down the clock by holding the ball up at the corner flag when you're a goal up at five minutes to go, that's fine. So, try and narrow that in and find a line in the middle.
3: Okay, so, right, we, we, we spoke about this again off air. Like, the GAA sin bin, right? So, so ho- holding the ball up in the corner is one thing. The ball is still in play. It's up to, like, if I'm on the opposite team, it's up for me to take the ball off of you. I'm okay with that. That's I don't consider that cheating. I consider that, you know, trying trying your best to hold on to a lead. Yeah. The GAA sin bin, we have people lying down and pretending to be injured while one of their players is in the sin bin... in order to run the time off the clock. Yeah. That to me is... morally wrong.
1: It's wrong, but... Ethically it, wrong. Definitely. But it's also something that... they've been left a loophole. That yeah. they know... I mean, put yourself in those shoes... you're in that whatever, championship quarterfinal or something. A big game. And you've yeah. got a player sin bin... like you do what you have to do to win. I yeah. think it's one of those things where it's definitely wrong morally but you'll get away with it so you'll do it because and you'd kinda, you kind of look back on these things in two years time you're going to look at the result
3: mm. yeah it, it's one of those I think it, that it's look we, we spoke about it. it it needs to be changed before the championship because it'll make the championship a farce if it's not um, possibly
0: yeah for me the exciting if you can shake your man's hand at the end of the game and say well done or hard luck and leave it on mm. the field it's not considered cheating if you know what I mean. If you're yeah. after laying down for five minutes to waste time, but you could still shake hands with your opposition and say, "Well done." knowing that they could have done the
1: exact same thing. That's it. I think there's a mutual understanding between opponents as well. Especially, you know, sometimes you'll be marking someone, and you could kick lumps out of each other for 90-80 minutes, however long your game is. At the end of it, you shake hands, you put it behind you. Yeah. Because someone is. You, know,
0: you know that they could have done the exact same thing. Yeah. If you pull someone, pull someone's jersey, you know that they could do the exact same thing. Whereas with drugs, that's that's you taking it into your own hands. I, I am going to cheat. I am going to do something to gain an advantage that someone else probably isn't going to do.
3: Yeah, I, I can see that. But again, you're still, after taking the drugs, until you're caught, you're still coming off to feel shaken the hand with that same person. Because yeah, you haven't been caught and you believe it's okay to do so.
1: Well, obviously, the other person isn't in the knowledge that you've taken drugs at that point.
3: Yeah, but then it's like makes his point null and void because like you it's if you believe you can come off the field with your head held high and be able to sh- uh, shake a man's hand yeah but then can you do so how how, how can you take a load of steroids and come off the field shaking a guy's hand and go you know what we're the same i've taken all of this stuff and that man has taken none yet i can shake his hand because i didn't cheat and you still do you still shake the hand. so you know where's the my my question about the the whole steroid use is In some sports and in some countries, the punishment may or may not fit the crime. So if you take the difference between athletics and American football or basketball or maybe it's just American sports in general, baseball is another one, there you get a certain amount of match bans. There's three match bans and six match bans, depending on the severity of the drugs that are caught in your system, whereas in athletics, it's a one-year or two-year ban and you know your pretty much careers could be over at that stage because you haven't yeah. competed at that level you still have to go through all the testing to still be able to you know so so where does who's right and who's wrong
1: oh, I think there needs to be a zero tolerance approach
3: but what yeah, what zero does the ban what, what does the ban become then like who's right is the three match or six match ban no right or is, is the two year ban right
1: two year ban is definitely closer to being right somewhere in the middle no I'd say more than two years make it so that if someone someone knows that if they want to take performance enhancing drugs that if they get caught their career could be over would you say that if you've been caught you should be allowed to go back and play the sport I think you should have to serve an extended ban, like quite long like two three years or something if you come back after two or three years now it depends on the sport as well kind of say the career expectancy so take a professional soccer player your career is expected to be roughly 17, 18 to mid 30s mm-hmm. so you lose two or three years out of that for for doping for want of a better word and yes. it's it's going to weigh fairly heavily whereas other careers then there's a shorter lifespan you're not going to do close to 20 years at the top level
3: yeah I just it's like, three, three match bands and six match bands there are a lot of bollocks to be honest. Let's be honest here, right? It's nothing. You know, it's like you've been caught with whatever in your system and you're let back in. Like there's no like players are going, you know what, if I get a three week break, I'm sure what about it? Like Yeah, you know, exactly. In the middle of a season and they're still gonna start keep taking them. The two year ban, you know, for an athlete who may or may not have been in peak condition when they did like You still have to train with steroids. I'm not making excuses for you. You still have to train. with So those athletes that are failing those tests, they need to do a test every month for those two years that they're banned to ensure while they're out of competition, if they're going to return to competition, that they were clean for those two years.
1: Yeah, I would agree. That they kind of have to signal an intent if they want to return. And if they do, that they have to submit, say, whether it's two years or even just 12 months of clean samples
3: but not just if they have an intent to return well if they're going to retire
1: anyway leave, like then it makes no difference like say you're whatever in your mid 30s you get caught doing it and there's no point trying to submit clean samples in if you're never going to go back and play
3: so what if, what if I'm 26 I've been caught in two years time I'd be 28 and I go you know what I'm going to retire I'm not going to bother coming back Yeah. 28 comes round you know what I'm going to go back and I haven't done a test for those two years then you have to start your two years testing so that's a four year back
1: yeah but two of it's self-imposed. You've retired.
2: Mm.
3: I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be a, a zero tolerance. Yeah, it needs it?
1: to be a serious deterrent. Yeah.
3: I mean, look at it. Like, There's a certain amount of people that feel sorry for the likes of Maria Sharapova where you know she was taking something for... Yeah, oh, I can't remember
1: the name of it, but yeah,
3: it was... But she'd been taking it all the time. Was it for... Um, oh.
1: It's originally for asthma, isn't it? Yes. But um, that was legal in some countries and not in others No, it was legal
3: everywhere and then they outlawed it but it happened over a weekend so she said she never got the memo
1: yeah and there was no was it a Mamadou Sacco when he was at Liverpool and he, he was doing really well and he missed the Europa League final because he got banned for failing a drugs test because he tested positive for some substance that it turned out wasn't on any banned drugs list oh Jesus <laughs> he's I think he's now taking a case against UEFA for ruining his career because he missed the Europa League final he was dropped out of France's Euro 2016 squad. Well, and his career, let's say, was, I mean, we all know, it has not really gone to plan from there. Like he's at Crystal Palace now, all because he took something that was never banned by anyone.
3: Yeah, strange one. Strange so one those ones, there's to make a mistake as bad as that now.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been more made of it to be honest. Yeah. But he's taking a case against UEFA because of it. Well, yeah, so rich. those ones you can feel sorry for. The likes of,
3: do we feel the same about? recreational drugs as we do about steroids no we not explain jokes.
1: uh like uh, not to condone recreational drugs but if they're not and thanks not, for starting with that anyway, yeah yeah right? i know i know so some people are not going to be very pleased with this opinion and i understand but if players whether it's in the off season or just in their downtime dabble in recreational drugs That's their own business. If it's not affecting their performance on the pitch, I don't want to say let them off. Because if I'm a coach and I have one of my players doing it, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the lid, like I'm gonna go mad. But if they're not doing it to cheat, then I don't think they need to get bans as severe. I think that's more of a error of judgment on the players' behalf than it is a A deliberate act of cheating. Error of judgment. Yeah, but that's an error of judgement. It's not a deliberate you're, intent
3: to cheat. You're a professional athlete. If it's, yeah. not a, if it's not a deliberate intent, you're just an idiot. Uh, yeah, but I mean, some footballers will go out and probably have,
1: I don't know, if they go out and have three kebabs, it's probably as bad for their performance as some narcotics would be.
0: Do you know what's a funny one for me is the the lads that do get done for inhaling the, the balloons. Who is <laughs> done for inhaling balloons. Who not done for helium? What? Isn't it, isn't it the Brighton players at the moment are being investigated by Brighton FC?
3: You're kidding. Are right.
0: they? Yeah. Shane Duffy is one of the players.
3: For inhaling helium, helium out of balloons. Yeah.
0: Okay. How does that. Is that a, like
3: recreational or performance enhancing or what is it?
0: It's just a simple high that's not <laughs> that's not going to come across in the drug test. But again, that would be that would
1: have to be considered recreational, Jen. That's that's not okay.
3: Like what what,
1: what next like? But uh, my only Sif- justification stick stick like. But like the only justification of it is like if it's not affecting your performance, like alcohol is a drug. Alcohol affects performance A professional yeah. athlete Shouldn't be drinking in season They shouldn't be I'm not saying they should be But if a player goes out And has 10 points He's not going to get A 3 year ban Yeah, but it's He's going to get yelled at By his coach It's not on a banned list
3: Of substances Cocaine Marijuana Anything else you want to go for LSD Whatever They're all on banned lists Yeah but it's Like you can put It's anything, not okay You
1: can put anything on a list I mean cocaine oh. used to be treat, Used to be prescribed By medical professionals For what? loads of things it's an antidepressant so was MTMA
3: oh my god I can't believe you're actually standing up for players that are doing recreational I'm not drugs.
1: standing up for them I'm saying that it's not even close to being as bad as steroids and performing enhancing, performance enhancing drugs those players are deliberately going out to cheat fellow professionals players taking whatever they take I mean we looked at Mutu and Maradona as examples they went out and took cocaine not a good idea by any means not condoning it
3: so you but so you they don't went
1: out to have a good time
3: so you don't think they should be banned? I think because
1: they should it's be not banned. Performance I, no, I completely think they should be banned, but I don't think the bans should be half as long as it should be for players who are going out and deliberately cheating.
0: Okay. It is an
1: interesting one because... These are players who are letting loose. They're going and... They're again, are not to take on as many calories from a line. As <laughs> <people> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If a player go out, goes out and has three kebabs, it's probably worse for his performance at a weekend than if he goes out and takes whatever Coke, MDMA... Cannabis Anything like that I, I, I'm not saying it's okay I'm saying it's not as bad
3: um, from, from, a, from a moral standpoint
1: Moral standpoint Bad idea It's illegal Don't do it From an ethical standpoint Less bad Than cheating <laughs> It's like Okay Imagine going out Punching someone in the face It's not okay But it's not as bad As killing them you know, Jesus. I'm. I'm only using that to, to. That's only an example to amplify the difference. All right, we're, we're
3: going to move on. It's
1: we're not okay, but it's not as like, bad. That's all I'm going trying to on. say. On if that. there's
3: any kids listening, drugs are not good. No, not at all. Drugs I'm are not bad. saying they are. Um, where do we stand on gambling in sport?
1: Where do we stand
0: on gambling in general? It's an awful addiction.
3: Yeah, agreed. It's an addiction. Should it be banned? Like, is it? Possible to gamble, and it not to become something bad.
1: I think like, some people, because I, I obviously know a lot of people that would gamble, and some of them you look at and you think, right, you need to kind of slow down that a bit. Mm-hmm. That's becoming a problem. Other people, whether they go down and they, they might just put a fiver on an accumulator of all the Premier League games for the weekend, and you know it's just something to give the games a bit more interest, and it's fairly harmless.
3: Like we, we all we all know the famous footballers that you know spent their wages on the bus on the way to matches in the old yeah. days The Tony Adams that's when it's a problem you man. know like again a lot of them say it was down to the boredom of you know we're professional footballers but we're not allowed to do anything else so what else are you going to do with your money you know
1: yeah that's true like they had loads so, of money and nothing to do with it
0: and they weren't allowed to go do you know what's a really interesting one is uh, when Rooney came out there recently and said that he had a a problem with gambling and now he's signed with Derby who are sponsored by a gambling company he's wearing the number 32 jersey for thir- oh, their 32 red for 32 aren't they? red that's yeah. right uh, there was wow. a hashtag, hashtag 32 Rooney or something was when he when he, when he he signed for Derby geez I didn't even know that you know, it, it's really uh, that's an interesting one to see that he he came out and said he had this problem but yet he's okay with He's probably receiving a lot of money off them.
1: I'd imagine so. But the the amount of gambling and betting company sponsorships in football and all sports now no. is insane. I think the GA banned it last year. Actually, didn't they? They banned gambling sponsorship.
3: Yeah, I believe so. Um, it but is an
0: interesting one because, uh, like, I think we, we we probably all know people that have had
3: an addiction. For oh gambling. yeah, hm? many people, without a doubt. Um, what I what I would say is I know I know that like sports like. The rugby and, and the soccer. They've talked for years about, you know, outlawing gambling advertising hmm. when it comes to sporting events on TV and stuff like that. I don't believe it's ever going to happen. I think there's too much money in so it. That's
1: the problem, yeah. These people are, like, it's their jobs and they want to grow their brands as much as they can and they need the money from gambling companies and to do that. There's one,
3: like I mean, they're, they're talking about outlawing both gambling sponsorship and alcoholic sponsorship. You know, like, there's, so, there's way too much money there. They're too powerful. It's like the old... You know the old cabals of, of yesteryear. Like they're just they're just too powerful for it to happen. Um, where I suppose it comes into question is is the match fixing element where we've seen in cricket and snooker, like people putting on bets for teams to lose three one or to concede more than two goals and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think there was a massive one in the lower levels of tennis last year as well, wasn't there? Um. Yeah, it was. It was huge. Like the, the games that were. So games that were on maybe b or c competitions for lower ranked teams there was match fixing going on in that the matches were delayed on television so even the guys that were there at the games were able to bet on the matches before the actual so even if it was only a set behind or like a, a match behind or a point behind they were making money because they knew what the next point was going to be before. What was point. about it? to happen, exactly. even though you would already just watched you know? it. So, like again, ethically, really, really bad. But you know, still happening. And I mean, there's probably like, I you know Bruce Scrabbler, and you said he was cleared of match fixing, and yeah, like, it's definitely got to be happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. And I think we saw um, England played Pakistan in the cricket there, or oh, would have been probably seven or eight years ago now, hmm. and Pakistan ended up having three players banned for, what they got, extreme bans. There was one fellow who was only 18, he got like an eight-year ban. Jesus. I um, can't remember his name. Um, but it was spot-fixing, so what they were, they were basically instructed that they were told what over they were going to be bowling, and someone would then bet that there'd be, say, two no-balls in that over. That's where he, like, oversteps okay. the line or something. Yeah. So... Fairly harmless in the sequence of the game yeah. but then someone was going and putting tens of thousands yeah. on there being two no balls in this specific over and there was some uh, recording of it came out of the dealing and the three players I think two of them got lifetime bans
3: let's say closer to home Limerick FC here are under investigation for two incidents yeah. of where apparently and we can't say yes or no but apparently players were involved on betting in games that they were involved in you know
0: do you know re- it seemingly the League of Ireland is massive across Europe uh, for like, putting bets on. Because it's on during the summer, they have nothing else to be betting on.
1: Yeah, yeah it's probably one of the only leagues on then, really.
0: Yeah, no, like, as in, League of Ireland games will be advertised outside shops. Like, betting shops, huh. the, ad, the odds, yeah. Because seemingly, I don't
1: like It's all, that's all driven by gambling as well, which is, I think... Like, even if you watch a game on TV, like, you know, the way just before kickoff, they always squeeze in that one ad before kickoff.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's nearly always a gambling ad. And, and at halftime, there's another gambling ad. Yeah, and, there's
1: at least know, two or three at halftime.
2: Or And whatever else. Yeah, you yeah. get your live
1: odds at halftime now and everything. Like, it's constantly put in people's faces. And it's fine for, like, us. We, I don't gamble. I don't think either of you do either. I don't know. Um, but, like, if you are someone that would struggle with that, it's constantly being put in your face. Yeah it's yeah. like a recovering it's hard, it's alcoholic hard. constantly being forced into a pub like it's it's not okay yeah a point
3: being put in front of you
1: uh, you'll, have, you'll have the one sure. yeah exactly
3: <laughs> um,
1: So the companies need to look at themselves because I think we mentioned Derby there every club has betting sponsorship like you see Liverpool now they used to have Betvictor on their training gear hmm. and they had an issue where they had sponsorship from a Russian bet betting company earlier this year which was kept very quiet they were just wiped from all sponsorship 1x bet I think it was Um
3: I suppose you go back down to, let's say, lower level stuff like like diving and gamesmanship and like this, this whole sledging thing in the GAA that's come out where players insult one another's family members and doing all that. Where do we stand on that? What's like not to say okay, but where, where's the level? What's okay?
1: Um, I don't know. like. I don't mind like most things being said on a pitch are probably okay. When it starts getting to stuff like family members and things like that, it's probably a bit much there's no need for it Like, it's a bit much but if that fella came up and shook my hand and said
0: fair play good game to me it's left on the field and they're not thinking about that. after.
3: I, I played with a guy I played in, in a hurling match right with a guy whose brother had committed suicide and a player turned to him on the field and said why don't you go off and do whatever like your brother did yeah that is not okay no. I don't care if that man shakes my hand at the end of the game that's not okay. But that's it. If
0: well, someone says shake like, that lads hand, yeah. no. But, exactly. but, but you know what I mean. He's going to have like, his face like, in before the game's
3: over. that's not okay. Like that's the kind of stuff that's been said. Like I've I've been on the field where stuff like that has been said on more than one occasion, by more than one person. Like, should there be? How, how do you? Firstly, how do you prove it? And secondly, if it is proven, how do you deal with it?
1: That's it. It's very difficult. Like if, I mean, if the referees down the other end of the pitch and your marker says something like that to you in your ear, there's no one else who's heard it. And if you turn around and smack him, you're getting sent off. Oh, yeah. So.
3: And the likelihood of you, you know, trying to find your own retribution there. It's fairly it's
1: high. Like, if I put myself in, in that person's shoes there, like, if he says something like that to me, if I don't lose my temper straight away, I'm guaranteed to try and hurt him on the next ball.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, if that lad didn't end up in hospital
1: after the game. Exactly. going to end up in hospital <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, you'd make it your business to get him. Like, I...
3: You know, sl- sledging is one of those things. I mean, we've we've grown up just knowing that it's going to happen. And, yeah, and, and you kind and of have to, to be and to get on with it. You know, to be the bigger person and get on yeah. with it. But at times, it's difficult.
1: Well, they always, you know, anytime you like, coaches grown up, someone would say something bad to you, or something like that. They'd be like, "Look, you know, the way to show them is yeah with your footballer, yeah, if let
3: your hurling, you, let your hurling do the yeah, talking. Exactly,
1: like yeah, exactly, stuff like that, and
0: let me hurlly do the talking."
3: <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we on the diving thing?
1: Yeah diving is never nice to see I think
3: Should there be Like take Take the Premier League I mean it's going on every week Yeah Um, Should there be Like Backdated yellow cards For diving So Say every week Should there be a panel of referees For someone who's dived And gotten away with it Or whatever And should they get You know A yellow card For whatever dive they did And if so You know it builds up the yellow cards And it didn't make any difference In the game but a yellow card and a fine for every time you dive you'll get a ban because if you keep on diving you'll get the five yellow cards you know should something like that be brought into place? Mm,
1: perhaps but then what if the on-field decision has led to a free kick or a penalty that has led to a goal like I think it that just gets a little bit messy I think some kind of retrospective action would mm. be good but I think a lot of people as well When you see a tackle going in And say the tackler goes in and misses the ball And the player's running The player has to jump over the tackle Is that a foul? He mightn't get hit But does he have to put his legs in the way of a tackle In order to get the foul? Yeah I think I remember Liverpool playing Birmingham At Anfield Where Davin Gogg was playing up front So Jesus, 10 I years ago And 2-all draw But Davin Gogg won a penalty he knocked the ball past the defender. The defender came lunging in. If Davin Gog stood there, he was just going to get cleaned out mm-hmm. of it. Jumped over it and fell. Wasn't touched. Penalty was given, but there was a lot of debate, obviously, in the days. But he had to come out of the way. He had to go over the tackle.
2: Or or was being injured.
1: Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. it. So yeah, yeah.
3: But there was in, there was intent there to take him down.
1: Well, he was just mistimed. Yeah. But yeah, like it would have been a foul if he stood there. But he got out of the way of it, and is that then a foul? Because he like if you watch it like he jumps over the tackle and goes down. So it, it looks like a dive. And like if he stands there he's fouled. Yeah. Is I that suppose a dive is that self preservation. Well for
0: me, if a lad dives
1: on me, I'll give him a reason to dive the second <laughs> time, I'm sure. But is it a dive? That's what I'm saying. If say if you go in for a tackle, you miss the ball. And you're gonna hit the player. If he jumps out of the way, that doesn't make your tackle all right.
0: It depends, like some, some lads will throw themselves to ground there oh or I, if I entirely others agree others, others, will, others will go out past you and go in and score a goal and yeah. laugh at you mm. and you're sitting on your arse after siding in I think it's 6-1 half a dozen the other
1: I think there's also a lot of cases where it's neither a foul nor a dive especially in the penalty area where you have a lot of kind of quick turns like players can slip or there could be a small bit of contact the player's going to feel it and go down and it might be a penalty but it's also not a dive I think they're people have to acknowledge that there's somewhere in between as well.
3: What What about in a situation where, let's forget about the tackle, let's say, off the ball, there's two players getting up in each other's faces and there's words had and then automatically someone drops to the ground. I hate that. Holding their face. I or, hate that so you know, much. Like,
0: hey, if they drop to the ground, kick them
2: as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like,
1: like what you always see it, in. In soccer, in particular, where you know they, they know not to headbutt each other, but they go forehead to forehead, and they're kind of just squaring yeah. up. And all then suddenly one of them drops. drops yeah. You know, that's not okay. No, that's not that. I, w- I, that would be let's play acting like it's yeah. You're I got, deliberately a guy cheating. ends up
3: getting a red or yellow card because you dropped to the ground. You know.
1: Yeah, that's it. That is
3: definitely should be retrospective action on that.
1: That's deliberate cheating. I you think know. that's kind of um, where yeah. the line has to be, or kind of where the intent is.
3: Yeah. I, I like the one the one that sticks out for me and and Dylan, you might be able to say, should some this one is like in Hurland at the moment I'm seeing an awful lot of people who have the ball grabbing the tacklers hurley or grabbing the tackler's arm and dragging them down on top of them. Okay. And getting the free for it because it looks for all the world like now it's definitely something. It's it's so similar when everyone that's trying to do it, it's something that's been taught
0: yeah it's a brilliant or the other one is when the hurley comes through their arm and they 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 clamp down on top of it with their arm
3: and like fall to the ground and it's a free like it's a great move but it's not within the moral compass of the game
1: it's earning a foul is kind of what it is you're buying a foul I remember you're stealing a foul yeah Eden Hazard made a very good career out of it he used to like the defender would be coming in he'd move nearly out of the way of the ball almost intercept the tackler so that there's contact with him first
3: yeah I don't know it's and one so of those things th- it's one of those things I'd say if I was still playing I'd probably be trying it but looking at it I'm not okay with it
0: but sometimes I don't know so, sometimes it does look very bad but then geez Dan McCormick whenever you see he wins freeze, and you, you'd wonder how he's winning at it all and it's just hardly he's getting mixed up and yeah arms are swinging and
3: I think Dan's a big man as well I think it's 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 at times it's more difficult for a big man to get freeze than it is for a small man.
1: Yeah, definitely.
3: You know, so
1: referees you feel less bad for your kind of thing. It's. Sure,
3: so you can look after yourself. You're bigger. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I had that. I had that conversation with a referee on Friday night. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I'd say we'll. Um, I'd say there'll be more on that, and if anyone has any thoughts. Um, don't forget to get in contact with us on social media and tell us what you think and if you have any argument about recreational drugs you want to take out with Joe by all means do go on have at it
0: hey, go, just go back to that there Joe um, should, should drugs be allowed in sport
1: no no I'm not saying it's okay by any means but it's definitely a lesser evil that's what I'm saying Then, if you but will steroids and performance if, enhancing if you drugs.
0: let everybody you let everybody on the drugs and even the playing
1: field. Mm, it would level the playing field, but player welfare would then become a serious issue.
3: Drugs are bad. <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Fully agreed, but let's not just, all equally bad. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> let's move on.
1: Drugs are bad. Stay in school, kids.
3: Exactly. So, in a change from the norm, this week's history topic will be by myself rather than... I Joy, if the chair starts, stops squeaking now... Rather than Joseph doing all of them, um, we're going to change it up a bit over the next couple of weeks. Um, For my topic, I have went with the 1920 All-Ireland Football Championship slash final. The reason being is the All-Ireland Football final from 1920 was actually played in
2: 1922.
3: Oh, okay. So, the majority of the championship uh, was played in 1920, but... Tipperary's All Ireland semi final and final had to be put off until 1922 due to the events of Bloody Sunday.
1: That's fair enough.
3: Um, Bloody Sunday, of course, the 21st of November 1920, was a challenge match between Tipperary and Dublin. Um, Game was, of course, famous for an attack more outside the stadium than inside the stadium. Michael Collins, who is goes down and just give a bit of background, goes down in history in Irish, um, Irish history was Irish finance minister at the time, and he had ordered the assassination of British soldiers around the city on that day. So on the morning of the event, um, a lot of our uh, volunteers went around the inner city in Dublin, um, taking out and killing 15 people, nine of which were army officers. One was an RIC sergeant, two cadets, and a couple of civilians. Um, actually, one of the IRA volunteers who took part in these killings was a future Taoiseach called Sean Lamass. Mm. and was involved in that. Um, moving on, as a kind of a retribution, the British Army decided to storm this challenge match that was happening at Crow Park. Um, Due to the crowds attending the game, the game was delayed by thirty minutes. It was supposed to start at two forty-five. It started at three fifteen, um, and at around three twenty-five p.m., uh, British forces approached from both directions, both through lift and then the auxiliary forces and the Black and Tans approached the stadium from the canal end. Uh, the orders were to surround the ground and to check everyone coming out of the stadium for arms and whatever else, because apparently. Word had gotten around that everyone that was at the match had guns on them and whatever else. Um, Anyone that was to leave the stadium by any other means was to be shot on sight. These were the rules because they were obviously hiding something if they were sneaking out of the stadium. Um, At 3.25 as soon as the convoy of troops arrived at the stadium shots were immediately fired at people. And of course all craziness ensued and people started running out of the stadium Um, one of the tanks that was with the British troops started firing over the crowd. So the reports go and of course everyone thought they were firing at him. There was people firing back. Um, uh, The Freeman's Journal actually reported the spectators were startled by a volley of shots fired from inside the turnstile entrances. Armed and uniformed men were seen entering the field and immediately after the firing broke out, scenes of the wildest confusion took place. The spectators made a rush for the far side of Crow Park and shorts were fired fired over their heads and into the crowd. 90 seconds of shooting in total and 14 killed all civilians over over those 90 seconds. I suppose back to the main part of the story, the football championship... Had to be cancelled so this game which turned out to be only a challenge ended up being the all Ireland final of the same year played in 1922 dublin had of course qualified already for it um tiberi went on they'd they'd actually played five games coming out of the monster championship which was unheard of in the day they'd drawn with Clare twice and um, finally beating him in the third game by a margin of one seven to a point point. They went on and hammered Watford in a semi-final, and then beat Kerry by two two to two points in the Munster final. Um, Dublin had beaten Offaly, Leash, Kildare. Kildare was one three to three points in the in the Leinster final. Um, Offaly, Leash were two facile victories. Um, the semi-final was played uh, in uh, later on in nineteen twenty two in May nineteen twenty two. Tip beat Mayo by 1-5 to a goal and then went on to play Dublin in the All-Ireland Final. A crowd of 17,000 spectators turned up. Um, Tip had eight players that had been on the original team that was due to start. Um, obviously, two of the Tipperary players, one of which had died on the day. Um, Michael Hogan died in the shooting on the, on the day. Um, Jim Egan survived. He was shot but ended up dying later in in a uh, in the civil war that ensued before the Ireland final took place in 1922. um yeah it's just an interesting one dan breen who most temporary people know threw in the ball on the day um and that was pretty much it. It was just a strange one. It, it said that it was a fitting tribute to the memory of Michael Hogan. The Tipperary footballers, including many of those who witnessed the horrific events in Crow Park, captured the 1920 All Ireland football final in 1922, ironically against Dublin. What was the score? One six to one two oh yeah
0: and was that around the monster game so that played in 1920 or in 1922
3: it was played in 1922 before the monster championship started before the 1922
0: yeah Championship's. championship
1: started yeah gas altogether mad stuff That's only 17,000 turn up yeah I would have thought that would have been I'm surprised that wasn't more or were people still afraid like
3: Stephen war was still going on wasn't it mm. like it was. A, it was just a lot of strange goings on Um, terrible terrible day in in Irish sport but yeah Tipperary's fourth All-Ireland final All-Ireland football final and if I'm not mistaken their last
0: it is yeah and it would give them a total that is more than uh, Mayo
3: (laughs) there was a a wide smile across your face while you were saying that
0: Uh, Mayo with a total of three Yeah,
2: that's my story who you know, would be known as a football county
1: it's always uh, it's always strange when you get that crossover from like politics and mm. more normal world goings on into sport
3: yeah when when I was searching it like it seems strange that like it was a challenge match in November that Tipperary played Dublin that bloody Sunday but the championship had actually been cancelled before that because most of the other games were already played okay so
2: just no. Anyway. interesting oh, there
0: there's a lot of chat about it at the moment uh, should Tipperary honour those men and wear uh, a special jersey for the year that's in it oh yeah, yeah
3: should sure, the to 100th anniversary
0: I suppose yeah Cork, Cork are kind of known for doing those kind of things at the yeah. moment
3: maybe be an interesting there's one there was a bit of debate on
0: Tip FM there y- yesterday you kind of
3: want some good performances out of the football team in order to, to would, would it be both teams or would it be I assume it would be just
0: the assume it would be just the footballers
2: alright um, well good story James
0: thanks for that James
3: no worries Dylan has our usual bamboozle quiz where he tests mine and Joe's knowledge
1: and patience and, and <laughs> patience yeah a lot of
3: patience with his uh, with his questions of the week
0: um, yeah so I suppose we've teamed this one Oh, I love a good themed one. So do I. You know how much I love my uh, my teams. So, um, this hmm. quiz is uh, a Formula One teamed quiz.
3: Oh, we tr- no. We trust Banner in the works for that. We change it up Will I go first this week and you go second. Oh, yeah, you're youngest. Oh, fair enough. Rules, rules the rules, James. Joe's it's going don't first. It's don't it's take
1: yeah, yeah, that's fine. that's fine. You say Formula One team.
0: Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't matter to me who no, wins no, first. No, Joe's gone that's, fine. that's Joe, fine. Joe seems to have won qualifications. So <laughs> <he's laughs> uh, yeah, Formula 1 teamed quiz for oh, me.
3: Brilliant. Did you
1: watch much Formula 1, James?
3: Years ago, I used to watch quite a bit. I haven't watched any in about <laughs> 10 years, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I never really got into it, so this could be fun.
0: I used to love it on RT. Used to be always an RT2. we're
3: looking at a mid all draw here. Joe. I'll happily go for a clean <laughs> sheet here. Great. Fire away. Uh,
0: Joe, the first question goes to you. In Formula One, what does a blue flag
1: mean? Oh, I haven't got a clue. Um, Laughing quite hysterically there i'm gonna have
0: to put you under pressure for time joe Uh, does that
1: mean the track is wet
0: that hey there's good logic to that but unfortunately no um the blue flag means that the driver in front must let the faster cars behind pass because he is about to be left oh
1: fair enough
3: yeah if it's any consolation joe i'm very glad you went
0: first uh, James, in Formula 1, what does a red flag mean?
3: That there is a crash on the course and that you are going to be going behind the safety car and I think I'm wrong after saying that.
0: Yeah, you are nearly there. Uh, no points though. Uh, a red flag halts a race or a session when conditions become too dangerous to continue. The, is the, the yellow flag is safety flag. Safety safety flag. Yeah.
3: Yeah, right. right. We both know know the one that you didn't ask about. Why didn't you ask me about the checker flag? I know what that one was. Uh, Because they would have been quite obvious and quite (laughs) easy questions. (laughs) You're meant to
0: be the experts, or so we say at the start of this podcast. (laughs) Right. uh, Joe, your second question. Um, How many times has Michael Schumacher been Formula One champion? Seven. Seven indeed. Well done, Joe.
1: Thank you. Did you know that or. Um, I feel like it was in the back of my head, although immediately afterward, after I said it, I thought, oh shit, it's five. It's five. No, well, fair play, it's seven. It yeah, was my clean sheet, you know. Good thing I didn't start thinking too much. <coughs>
0: and, James, uh, who is the current 4 1 champion?
2: New Hampton.
0: It is indeed.
3: I was I was starting to guess myself there for a second. They nearly really bottled that one, James.
0: One apiece going into the final round. Uh, Joe your first question so which car constructor has won the most Formula 1 driver championships
2: um, do,
0: do, do, do,
1: I don't know um, I'll go Mercedes
0: incorrect it oh, will be Ferrari knew it. Ferrari with 15 so
3: James, this is
0: James for the
3: win. What was that? Was a trick question? Yeah, I yeah. knew that. In, yeah, in okay. his defense, because you asked which car constructors has won the most amount of drivers' titles, now that could be seen as two different questions. It's probably still the same answer.
0: Why would it be seen as two different questions? Because
3: it could have been constructors championships or
0: yeah, it was driver championships, not I don't the con- know. that was well, fair. It was a confusing
3: I, question. Did not you think to?
2: Uh, I find them all confusing because <laughs> I don't know anything about F1. If so. any
0: of our podcast listeners have any issue right. with, <laughs> it, with of that question, uh, let us know. I thought it was fairly
1: obvious. I, I wouldn't have contested it.
0: Good man yourself. So. Right, so, James, since you're obsessed with who uh, goes youngest, uh, who was the youngest ever <laughs> Formula One driver champion?
3: God. Oh God! Was 20. it Senna?
0: No, it was uh, Sebastian Vettel at 23 years of age and 134 days in 2010. No,
3: draw a game, one on. Draw, draw a game, one.
0: fair play to you, please.
3: I wouldn't have got Vettel. My other option was Jensen Button,
1: but I would have guessed Senna as well. Just would have been right. Should have been in the dark. Yeah,
0: thanks for that, chat. Yeah.
1: That was fun. Yeah, thanks.
0: Well done, lads. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.